Today, we're getting morbid. We're talking about failures in recruiting. So today, we're going to walk through one of the most important steps of the recruiting process, the postmortem. Because, you know, failures happen. And in order to learn from them, we need to understand what went wrong. Hi, I'm Deva Mills, the Rebellious Recruiter. I did a calculation one day, and based on over 20 years of rough stats, I figured out that I've interviewed somewhere between 11,000 and 15,000 people, which means I've worked with leaders to hire the wrong people on our staff. So mistakes happen. Not repeating them, that's vital, because (laughs) I've repeated them too. We're doing a deep dive into the world of process improvement today and how to look at it from a recruiting angle. So pull up a seat. Let's chat. About 12 years ago, I got word that a staff accountant we hired didn't work out. They had been on the job for about four or five months, and the first thing I did was pulled my phone screen notes. Then I pulled my face-to-face notes. I pulled their resume, their on-site application, the job description, the job ad. I don't typically post job descriptions as job ads. And then the reference check forms. I probably had follow-up emails that I reviewed too, and I had been given an overview from a GM what had happened with this person and where the failure was. So I spent 45 minutes reviewing all the information before we hired this person, starting by first reading the interview notes with due diligence. And then I went through the references, looked at information supplied by the candidate, what we asked for in the job description, the job ad, the whole nine yards. And this was a first, not the first time I ever did this. But this is the first time I literally couldn't find the hole. All the issues we had with this person, they were subjects we clearly covered in the interview at least three times. And we had at least four employment references, if I recall. Just so you know, I typically ask for seven references. So I was stumped. A few minutes later, my COO walked in. You see, he knows how I work. And he asked to see the paperwork that I had just combed through. We had about 1,200 people on staff, and so every once in a while, we hired a person that didn't work out. It happens when there's that many managers, many divisions, many skill sets, and one recruiter, me. Everybody, they're at a different point in their career of learning. These processes, going through it, it upped my game, and it upped the game of the leaders in the organization. So my COO knew I was looking for the mistakes, And when I did find mistakes, I would put in a question or a process to hopefully not repeat that mistake again when we were hiring people. And given the nature of the failure of this person, he wanted to see what was missed too. So I had it all handy. I dropped it in an email for him and he reviewed it. And then he came back a few hours later. He looked at me and he said something along the lines of, all the points this accountant failed on, they were covered in the interview and references. We didn't do anything wrong. So yeah, that was a first for him too. We always uncovered something we did wrong as an organization. So what it did, it reinforces the fact that sometimes you can do everything right and still have a bad hire or an off-culture fit. It does happen. But out of 11,000 to 15,000 people that I've interviewed, I can only remember one situation where I couldn't find the problem. And in order to get to that point where we could identify potential holes, we had to learn how to identify them along the way. So a quick side note here. 
you're going to hear me drop throughout my podcasts about mistakes that I've made. And if you've listened to other episodes, I do allude to them all the time. I might not call them out directly, but I don't tend to hide from them either. So recruiting, it's one of those weird budgetary things. It sits directly on the fence of being an expense department and being a revenue department. Most senior level recruiters, they get this. They don't want to admit they're part of HR because they kind of aren't. But they aren't part of operations either because they don't actually work the business. A really good recruiter, they're motivated by speedy processes, the ability to improve revenue, even if there's no commission on the line, and learning details about the business. They love the details of the business. A really good recruiter hates recruiting for replacements due to failures of process. So I had the opportunity to meet a corporate recruiter at a meetup prior to COVID-19. And this recruiter worked for an organization that had a couple of direct competitors in town, and they were assigned to a specific division. So my first question to this person was, how do you sell the differences between you and your competitors? Basically, I wanted to know what set them apart, made them different, what their business edge was, their values, all wrapped up into a succinct pitch. The recruiter had no clue what I was talking about because the recruiter wasn't selling the chance to be with a great culture, have awesome training, or be part of a team that enjoys each other. This recruiter, they were just pushing resumes. A true recruiter, someone who has recruiting in their heart, they take the time to understand nuance because they don't want to repeat the mistakes. So understanding the nuance, that's where the postmortem starts. Postmortems should have more than just the recruiter eyes on them. When I say recruiter, I mean whomever triggered the process. So when I'm talking about this process going forward, know that recruiter can mean anybody in the process. It's just, for me, it's my situation. It's where I am. Also, this process, it's not linear. The baseline for me is always the phone screen because that's been the last stage where I have complete control. Beyond the phone screen, I share the control with the leaders of the organization. So I start by looking for my personal direct mistakes first, and then I move around the steps until I have a complete picture. One more thing, I'm about to give you a huge list of information. If you need access to it, just pop over to my webpage and click on the transcript of today's episode to get the list in written form. So the steps to the postmortem, they're going to vary, and there will be more when there are more people included in the selection, and as you perfect your process, you are going to have more steps in the process. But here are my steps and realize that you don't have to use all these steps to effectively figure out what happened. So one, did the recruiter who initially screened the resume, did they actually know what they were looking for? Two, does the recruiter understand the soft skills required for the department and how to evaluate some of those soft skills? Three, can the recruiter talk effectively about the microculture of the department? Sure, we have cultures across companies, but I can tell you, your people in your accounting department, they're going to be radically different than the people in your sales department. Sure, they're going to share the same company values, but fundamentally, there is a microculture going on there. Four, did the recruiter also do a phone screen that effectively pitched the position, effectively pitched the long-term opportunity? Did it set you apart as a company? And most importantly, did they take solid notes? Now, this is really important because you heard me talk on the phone screen episode about the fact that you don't want to set this person up to have surprises their first day of work. So you need to let them know about the challenges right off the bat, right? 
which then we get back into the microculture of the department. Did you discuss that microculture of that department and some of the challenges they had? And then six, did the candidate have questions? If so, what were they? Seven, were the challenges of the department, the challenges they're currently facing, was it discussed openly and honestly? Because again, that goes back to what I just said in four, right? And then eight, did the advertisement effectively call out the top five skills required for the position? Or did you bury it in a list after exhausting the candidate with 30 different job duties, most of which were kind of irrelevant? Nine, did the job description require a realistic amount of experience, like not too much experience? Ten, did the hiring manager read the initial phone screen notes that the recruiter captured? And then 11, did the manager ask follow-up questions from the phone screen to get clarity, or did they just repeat the same questions and thereby got the same answers? And then 12, during the interview, did the manager get swayed by experience that is usable but not relevant to immediate or long-term needs? 13, were the top five skills discussed in detail, or was an entire skill signed off with only one good story? 14, did you do references? Now, please note, I'm reference ambivalent, but going into 15, if references were done, did their job title and job duties line up from what their old employer said to what they put on their resume? Because that's happened to me a few times too, where they told me something that was completely different than the resume and I bypassed it. I know, sounds silly, right? But it happens. And it happened to three other people reading the references too. So 16, did you ask the reference about their strengths and areas of learning or areas of improvement? And then 17, you got to rinse and repeat these steps until you've looked at each piece of the process. So like I said, I've interviewed somewhere between 11,000 and 15,000 people, which means I've opened the door for over 2,000 people to be hired. And it also means well over 100 were bad fits for the environment. So yeah, I've had a bit of post-mortem experience at this point. The most common thread I've seen in these processes is that bad hires happen when strong assumptions are made by the decision makers. And then they base an entire hiring decision on one really good answer. So please note, this is why I'm not a fan of behavior-based interviewing. So HR has a term for this type of assumption. It's called the halo effect. It's normally taught that the halo effect shows up on part of a quarterly or annual performance review. The reality is the halo effect shows up in a lot of areas of business because we're human. So the mistakes we make in one area of business, they show up in another and they show up in recruiting. The halo effect happens because we, as a species, were primed to focus on one attribute that stands out. So there's been research done on this, and what was found is that one strong yet very positive attribute will cause a reviewer to inflate all the other scores. They make an assumption that if she's good at this, she's good at that. So while that research is heavily focused on reviews, Based on the mistakes I've made and mistakes I've witnessed through assumptions, remember the lady in the red dress in the Matrix? It's kind of like that. Those type of assumptions, the halo effect, it's at play in a lot of areas of our businesses. And just so you know, the inverse is true too. If one negative attribute shows up that's really big, 
and it overrides everything else into negative attributes galore. That's called the horn or horns effect. So as you're doing your review of the process, identify where you made assumptions and hold yourself accountable to it. What did you make that answer mean? Learn to identify when you make those assumptions and build into your head to ask more questions to get clearer and get to the bottom of what the person is talking about. So here's an example of an interview I was in. We were interviewing a person who had previously owned a service where they had 1099 employees and they were contracted out on short-term assignments. So I asked the candidate, how many hours a week were you billing? The response was, I had 1,100 people registered with my service. I was about to ask again, but I saw the GM smile, take a note, and I could tell he was impressed. But my question wasn't answered. And you know what? I shrunk. I should have asked anyway. I didn't. You know what? This person didn't work out. For a host of reasons. But one of the main reasons? They never gave a direct answer. There was always a twist of the story that was happening. We had the first chance to explore that in the interview. And we didn't. As I looked back through that process, I saw hole after hole. And there were a host of us making those assumptions. So taking the time to learn, it's not a bad thing. The first few times you read the information, you'll see a hole at the first step. You'll fix it. The next time a bad tire happens, you'll find the mistake in the third step. And you'll fix that. And over time, you'll identify issues one at a time. You'll never make this a perfect thing. But what you will do is solidify what works and how to identify that. Like I say all the time, rinse and repeat. Keep identifying where you miss something in the process. Look closely for your assumptions and your use of fairy dust in the process. Look for actual verifiable answers. That's the key. Don't take the assumptions you make from the answer. Does this make sense? I hope so. I'm challenging you to reflect on your hiring process and where your decision-making went sideways, and then do your best to not repeat the mistake a second time. Thanks for listening to The Rebellious Recruiter. A quick reminder, I'll be bringing you new information every Monday and an occasional interview later on in the week with another thought leader. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening to this and comment, rate, and review. And share this podcast with other leaders that are looking to build out-of-this-world teams and maybe have a penchant for defying best practices. Go ahead and check me out at millsgroupllc.com and drop me a line there with your thoughts or questions. I might use your subject matter in upcoming shows. And thank you for listening. I know you only have so many hours in the week and I'm grateful to spend this time with you. Until then, make it a great day. I'll see you on the flip side. This podcast is produced by TH3 Entertainment.